Hey coaches, this is Nick Bartlett with Dr. Dish Basketball, and you're listening to the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. Make sure to check us out at drdishbasketball.com and on Twitter and Instagram at at drdishbball for daily basketball drills, tips, inspiration, and how we've revolutionized the basketball shooting machine over here at Dr. Dish. Also mention this podcast and you will receive an exclusive discount on your next Dr. Dish purchase. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, coaches. This is Coach Kevin Furtado from Championship Vision Podcast. Welcome to Episode 26 of the Championship Vision Podcast. Today, we're going to be interviewing Coach Matt King. Coach Matt King is the head men's basketball coach at Sandra Day O'Connor High School in Phoenix, Arizona. Coach King has been the head coach at O'Connor for four seasons. During that time, the program has grown into one of the top 10 programs in the highest class in the state of Arizona. Before living in Phoenix, Coach King was a head coach at Clovis High School in Clovis, New Mexico. During his three years in Clovis, the Wildcats went to the 5A Final Four and the 5A State Championship game. Coach King serves the Director of Basketball for Stars, a multi-sport youth program where over 2,500 kids from 5 to 14 years old, participate annually in the Phoenix area. Through his involvement in the youth basketball world, coaches become extensively involved in the USA Basketball's Youth Development Division, where he has served as a coach, academy speaker, league clinician, youth clinic director, skill development curriculum writer, and now a member of the Leadership Education Initiative. Coaches also worked with the Junior NBA and USA Basketball in writing the youth guidelines for basketball within the United States, and he currently serves as the president of the Arizona Basketball Coaches Association. Additionally, Coach King is one of the directors at Snow Valley Basketball School in Waverly, Iowa, which is largely considered the best youth basketball teaching camp in America. Coach is married to wife Michelle, has two daughters, Michaela and Madison. Let's welcome Coach Matt King. Hey, Kevin. Hi, Matt. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Doing great. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. I, I really apologize for all the logistics, but yeah, I'm glad to do it, man. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah that's all part of, you know, when you do a podcast, I didn't realize how much is involved. Um, but I love it. I appreciate you taking the time out. I know you're a busy man out there in Arizona. Yeah, no, um, sorry, man. I'm, I'm glad to do it. Thanks for the opportunity. Yes. Um, hey, tell me, I, I always ask every coach about, um, you know, tell, you know, tell me a little bit about your, your sports history and how you kind of got started in sports. And I know we, we talked about this a little bit before and which individual had a great impact on you doing what you're doing now. Well, I think I think I said this before, but probably the person that had the biggest impact on me was my dad. Um, when it comes to sports, I mean, I think I wanted to, wanted to play sports because it gave me an opportunity to spend time with my dad. And um, I think as I grew, that passion developed, and then there were other other people and other influences that became very significant in my life. Um, obviously, my coaches. Uh, I I. I, I fortunate to play for some really good coaches uh and um I, I think as i've grown in the profession uh i've had the opportunity to be on some some tremendous mentors uh so it's it's kind of like that old saying like it takes a village to raise a child 
And I think it, it's very similar with a coach um, or somebody that's involved in the game. There's, there's a lot of people who have a lot of influence over, over our journey. And, and, uh, and, and I'm, I'm no exception to that. So there's been quite a few people that have, that have, that have impacted that. Yes. And I, I know what you're talking about because my dad, of course, my dad's in his eighties now and so forth. Uh, but um, he had a tremendous impact on me. And I just, uh, just on a quick story. And I know you have quite a few stories for us. Uh, he coached me a long time ago in rec league and uh, he had such a passion for all types of kids. And, and at the time I thought I was a pretty good player, but he would have so much passion, even for the kid that was not skilled. And he always took the time out to give that kid extra help. And I don't know why I remember that so much, but that had a big impact on me. Did somebody like that have an impact on you? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think my dad would fall into that category. I, I, I mean, there's numerous kids in the New Mexico area that my dad um, spent time with and, and uh, invested in that, um, were kind of overlooked or um, uh, people people didn't necessarily have them on their radar and uh, and he was willing to spend time with them and and so yeah I mean I, I absolutely have that same type of experience yeah and and tell me about of course right now I'm coaching and of course I'm I, I teach all day and I coach pretty much all night so that's my you know how that is right coach yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and I believe in the core values of a program. I, we, we talk about our values every day. First of all, what is your core values of your program and how do your players or did your players embody these type of values each day in practice? Well, I think when it comes to core values, like that, that's been a, that's been an evolution over time. And it's something that we've uh, had to, to grow with because my philosophy of core values uh, within a program has, has changed over time. Um, I think at the beginning, we um, were very uh, stringent on these kind of um, um, moral based values that we expected kids to have them all the time. Uh, and, and what we started to find out was that um, kids would fake them while they were around us, but they didn't actually have the value um, a value wasn't a part of who they were on a consistent basis. And as you know, um, values only as good as, as, as you, as you genuinely and authentically have them. And so over time we started to think about what are the things that we want to commit to every single day, uh, that a kid can genuinely say, Hey, you know what? I, I have that. Um, what's kind of the baseline in our program for a kid that, um, if you don't have these things, then, then you just don't have these things. You just can't be here. So kind of settled on three things uh, at the end of the day. And, and those three things were you had to be committed. So you had to you had to have a desire to make a commitment to the program. Um, and then secondly, you, you had to be engaged. So we, we were never going to have somebody that um, was uh, not engaged in what we're doing. They're not they're, they, we don't want anybody that's casual about what we're doing. Uh, we want people that are that are invested. Uh, and then thirdly, which is probably that we probably got more attention for. Um, but I think, quite frankly, it's a core value of every, every program, whether you like it or not, 
is the core value of imperfection. And one of the things that we would tell our kids is that every day you can guarantee you're going to be imperfect. In the gym is at some point during the day, you're going to make some mistakes. And so uh, in perfect and then when we aren't perfect we'll figure it out we're going to start with audio hey we're going to and for that um and then when there are no mistake on the cake and so um, we wanted kids to be able to walk in every day with a humble spirit we wanted them to be able to walk in every day with them i'm going to make mistakes but i got a plan on on how i'm going to deal with them um and we our gym to be a place where mistakes were um, were embraced because that's how we get better. That's how we become accountable, um, and and that's that's how we can improve. So uh, that that really was uh, really was our mentality and and our core values. Yeah, I love that. And those are all. I mean, those are all basically tangible. I mean, you can definitely see those. Um, I love the imperfection, and you you talked about. I know you're going to talk about that more. It's like nobody is perfect. And I sometimes as coaches, we're actually, you, you heard the term striving for perfection, but we know we never get there. Tell me a little bit about that. Tell me, so you mentioned, I, I forgot exactly how you phrased it, but you talked about how we're always striving for that, that, that perfect play, which is never going to come. And that creates, that creates issues. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, and how you do that in practice. I, I, maybe you just basically said it already, but kind of kind of clear that up for me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Hey, Kevin, you there? I'm oh, sorry about that. I don't know what happened. Yeah, not a problem. Sometimes that happens, you know, with <clears throat> sometimes with Wi-Fi and things like that. But I, I appreciate you being patient with me. Yep. Hey, I, I love what you were saying. If you could um, kind of go back to a little bit about uh, – we, we, I know I got your, your three core values of commitment, uh, players being engaged in imperfection – um, can you go over that just this one more time just so you can clarify that? Yeah, no, no problem. Uh, I, I think for, for us, what we always meant by that was one, we wanted players to be committed. So what that meant to us was that we, we wanted, um, players to be willing to make sacrifices, to be a part of our program. We felt like it was a privilege to be a part of the program and we wanted, we wanted players to be able to, to, to make that commitment. So 
um, especially during our season and stuff like that, our, our program took priority. Uh, secondly, we wanted people to be engaged. We wanted everybody in our program, coaches, players, whoever, uh, we had an expectation that every day they come engaged uh, because you can't get better if you're not engaged. And so um, we, we, we felt like that was, that was an important baseline for everybody in our program. And then the third thing was um, we expected you to come in with the mentality that you were imperfect, that you're imperfect. Um, whether you're coach, player, myself, um, doesn't matter. Uh, if you walk into the gym with a mentality of, hey, you know what, I'm a work in progress. I'm here to get better. I'm under construction. Um, there's a lot more room for imp improvement and there's a lot more of a spirit of growth than there is if you walk into the gym believing, hey, I got it all together. I know what I'm doing. Um, I don't need anybody to help me out. And um, and and uh, I'm, I'm I've I've arrived. Um, we don't want anybody walking in the gym with a with a feeling that they've arrived. We want to we want people walking in the gym with a feeling that, you know what, I'm arriving and so today I got to get a little bit better than, than I was yesterday. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's, um, and that's something that we try to do here a lot. And uh, we have a beginning level program here, Matt, and that is we have a lot of kids that play multiple sports. Basketball is not their only um, activity, but I do have a few girls that are pretty talented. How, what would you do if you had a few really good players and the rest of the kids we're just kind of learning how to play. How would you put together your program with that? Um, obviously with the same core values, but give me some, give me some ideas on how you would kind of structure your program, kind of build it from the ground up. Well, um, I think if we're talking about a high school program, yes. I mean, there's, there's obviously plenty of different, different times during the year and different things that we would do during the year. But um uh, first and foremost, I wouldn't start with ninth graders. I would start much earlier than that. When we started at O'Connor um, four years ago, we the the school had, I believe, five coaches in the previous four years, and so we were absolutely starting at ground zero. And our first commitment was that we were going to build our program before the ninth grade. Uh, and I think if you're only going to get a couple years with a kid, it's really hard to help them make giant strides when you can get five, six, seven years, um, then, then you can, you can genuinely, um, help kids get a lot, a lot better. Because I think one of the things that people don't, un, don't remember about player development is that player development is a long-term process. It is not, uh, it's not a, there's no quick fixes. There's no magic bullets. There's no, it's, it's a process of getting in the gym day after day after day after day and teaching our muscles how to do um, what seem like pretty simple things um, because basketball is not a very complex game. It's, it's actually a pretty simple game and it's a game that is um, mastered by people that uh, can do simple things over and over and over again. And the only way to be able to do that is to be able to teach your muscles how to do it. And the only way to teach, you how to teach your muscles how to do it is by to repeat over and over and over again. Well, that takes time. That's not going to happen in six months. It's not going to happen in a year. Um, it's going to take time. And so uh, I think first and foremost, we'd make a commitment to, to building our program before the ninth grade. Uh, the second thing we would make our com uh, a commitment to once our, our kids got to the ninth grade uh, is – is making sure that they are working on the fundamentals of the game every, every day. And, and I think a lot of people talk about 
fundamentals and we teach fundamentals, but um, here's what I, when I say fundamentals, this is what I mean. Every day we would work on our feet. So footwork and balance every single day, we would handle the basketball um, with both hands, obviously. And we'd have teaching points for, for, for in each of these categories. Um, Every day we'd shoot the basketball. Every day we would rebound the basketball. Every day we would screen every day. Um, we would pass every day we would receive. So there's six things that we would work on every single day in individual skill development. And then there's two things that we would work on every day as a team. We'd work on whole offensive concepts and that can be broken down five on five, three on three, four on four, whatever, or, and we work on whole defensive concepts. So those eight things have to be a part of almost every single workout that we have. If it's an individual workout, the first six are going to be a part of every single one, unless there's a specific skill that we're working on. So if we're working with with a kid specifically on shooting, um, then that might take up the whole workout. But those six, when we do a skill development workout where we are working on a a holistic skill set for a kid, those six skills are going to get worked on every single workout. Um, and, and then we have to teach our kids whole offensive concepts and whole defensive concepts. And so we would, we would implement that player development system. Um, and then the third thing is we would make sure that we have some form of strength and conditioning program. One of the things that changed um, our dynamic at, at O'Connor over time was we, we realized very early because we weren't as tall as everybody else, we weren't as fast as everybody else, we weren't as athletic as everybody else. But the one thing we could be is we could be stronger than everybody else. And so we made an, 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 a significant commitment um, through our strength and, de- strength and development guy, Nate Souza. Um, we, made a, we made a significant commitment in the weight room and that paid huge dividends for us uh, over the course of time. So you got to have a player development model. You got to have a strength and conditioning program, especially today, especially nowadays, you got to have that if you want to build your program. And then you have to, you have to build it before the ninth grade. You have to have some form of a youth program. If you want to flip a place that, um, that has not traditionally been good. Uh, I, I think you got to have all three of those things. Yeah. And I love that. I, Cause I, I'm marking down like, you know, what do we do? Because uh, I love talking to guys like yourself, coaches that are great teachers of the game. Um, for example, today, we always do – I mean, Coach, we're doing basic – like today, the uh, the three the, – the footwork part we're working on, we do a lot of ball handling. Uh, but today we worked on – first of all, we have to work on triple threat stance every day. And a lot of people – I don't think a lot of people take the time to do it. Um, you know, hand position, how low – <clears throat> how low you need to be. Um, and we work on jab step, we work on shot fake. To me, those things are not being worked on by a lot of coaches because that jab step and shot fake is not easy to do. I think we assume that a lot. And then we go right into our ball handling work. We do, every kid has a ball in our practice. Um, so I'm marking down, I don't think I do enough shooting, Matt. And I, I, we do a lot of rebounding because we're small. Um, and I, I just think about how many shots can you get? Not, and I teach middle school and varsity all together. So we got 30 kids on the floor. Yeah. So give me, give me some more ideas there. Kinda, I'm kind of picking your brain a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and I, I believe every kid needs a ball. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think there's some. I, I think if you can, if you can do that, I think that's, I think that's tremendous, and 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 I think that's really good. I think when you talk about shooting, um, I think there's two things that are a necessity to being a good shooter. Uh, well, I, maybe three things. Uh, one would be you have to have some form of technique, like you have to have. And I know there's a lot of debate over. Um, you know, which way, how we should teach shooting and, and all this stuff. And, and there's, there's some valid points to, to all sides of the argument. So I'm not going to necessarily get into one specific way, um, but you have to have some way you got to have, you got to have some technique. Um, and then secondly, um, you got to have repetition. Like there's no, there's no, uh, there's no substitution for shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. Once you have technique, and once you've repeated that technique over and over and over again, um, the third thing you have to have, and I think this is something that's really important and I think a lot of times is lost with good teachers um, or with guys that like to give instruction. And I think there's a differentiation between a good teacher <laughs> and a guy yeah. that likes to give instruction. I think um, oftentimes guys that like to give instruction are people that like to hear their own voice. Um, guys that love to teach are people that love to see students progress. I think there's a difference between the two. I think, I think one is focused on the kid getting better. And I think one is focused on the coach being heard. Um, and, and the coach being heard is not the goal. The goal is the kid getting better. And so, and I think there's an art to that. So the third thing that I would say when it comes to shooting is that um, you have to instill a mentality in that kid. You have to instill a you have to instill a mentality of simplicity um, and the more and more I taught shooting the more and more I believe that you want to simplify the process as much as possible I think we screw with kids minds just like uh, and if anybody wants a great example of that um, there's many of us as adults that have tried to learn how to go hit a golf ball and and when you try to learn how to hit a golf ball um, it is so easy to get mental so quickly uh, and it is so easy to start worrying about 30 different things. And I was out on the range one day and, and an old guy, he's probably 75 years old, came over and he said, hey, can I help you with your swing? <laughs> sure. I, I yeah. love that. And, uh, and he said, um, he said, here's the deal, man. He said, every time you come out to the range, you get one shot thought a day. That's it. You get one shot thought a, a day. And, and so you get, to, if you want to focus on, if you want to focus on your backswing today, that's, that's all you're focusing on. But you get one thing, that's it. You, you can't, you can't have more than one thing. And I started thinking about that and I thought, man, that is so true with kids and their stroke. Um, we are so quick to give them 15 things to think about when they're shooting the basketball. And so I started going back with my high school kids and just tell them, Hey, you get one shot out a day. That's it. You know, I only want one thing going on in your mind. Um, and then, and then we'll, we'll work from there. Uh, and so, um, that, I think that was helpful. That was helpful for kids, uh, was helping develop their mentality. And I think a lot of times we, we, we limit the reality of how important that is in a kid's, uh, in a kid's life and his ability to make shots. Yeah, simple. I mean, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I totally agree. And um, I know I, I've, I know a lot of coaches that definitely talk too much and they definitely want to be heard. Um, <clears throat> and I, 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 de I, de I definitely have lived that. Hey, Matt, can you tell me a lot about um, 
practice emphasis. This is what I really believe in. I, I, I think emphasis is more important than drills. Um, and I always have a better practice when I go in and we're emphasizing one or two things. Maybe the, the, that goes back to your, your simple one thought theory. Talk about practice emphasis. How much is that important in a practice? Well, I think I think it's really important. I think the the one thing that I've always always felt like was important in practice is making sure that um, your practices are progressive, and making sure that they're headed somewhere. And so I, I think um, I, I think making sure that uh, whatever you're working on, it's it's uh, it's going in a direction that is trying to accomplish a goal. I think a lot of times guys put practice plans together uh, to fill time up as opposed to accomplish a task or a goal that, um, that they're trying to, uh, that they're trying to, they're trying to accomplish. So I think what, I think just like anything that requires, um, one is some form of assessment before practice. What are we trying to get done today? Um, and what do we need to improve on? And then secondly, there, then, then you have the process of planning, so how are we putting our practice plan together so that we can accomplish uh, the things that we know we have to get better at? And then thirdly, while you're in practice, making sure that you are, you're, you're executing, teaching, and holding people accountable um, for what is being taught in that practice. And then lastly, you have to, form, you have to summatively assess. So you got to look back and say, did we get accomplished today? what we needed to get accomplished and what do we need to get accomplished tomorrow to build on what we did today. If you don't go through all four of those steps and you aren't thoughtful through all four of those steps, there's so much ground for there to be slippage. And so if you don't, if you don't assess before practice, what do we got? What do we got to get better at? Um, if you don't plan Hey, this is this is how we're going to get better at it, and this is how we're going to teach it. And then, if you don't actually go in and teach it and do that and hold people accountable to to those things, and then you don't look back and say, "Hey, did we get accomplished what we wanted to get accomplished?" Um, you, you're just you're kind of throwing darts with a blindfold on. And and I, I think a lot of times in coaching we skip we try to skip steps, and and unfortunately that's probably why. Um, there's teams that today, um, they're not very good at certain things. And in March, they won't be good at the same exact things. And that's, that should never happen. I mean, uh, I'm not saying you're going you're gonna to make strides by leaps and bounds in every aspect of the game. But you should be better in March than you are in November. Every, every year. There's, there's, really no ex- there's really no excuse for not being better in March than you were in November. Um, now your team, you could obviously have unfortunate situations like injuries or whatever the whatever the circumstance, and there obviously could be other teams who get better as well. Um, but for you to not improve or for you to regress, that's that's not the kid's fault. That's the coach's fault. And 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 I think um, that goes back to making sure every single day you got a plan, um, you're executing that plan, and then you're looking back and measuring. Hey, hey. W- are we really getting better? Um, did we really get better today? Yeah, and that, there, there's got to be a lot of truth in that, and, and we got to be truthful with all of our coaching staff. I got, I got 
Matt, I got six coaches. And of course, we coach everybody together. Um, where I struggle with is we have a small school. And we have one gym. And we have to practice the middle school and varsity together. Now, I, I consider myself a pretty good planner and organizer. I'm yeah. telling you that it's a struggle sure. because I, I got a pretty good varsity team and I got a good middle school team, but they're not at the same level. Yeah, uh, That's where I'm struggling, but that's part of building a program. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to get another gym next year and so forth. But man, like today it's like, you know, we got, we could basically have two different teams, but I think like you mentioned before, our emphasis today was on communication. And I yeah. feel like we got better at that. Now that that's a small victory, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think. Well, I, I would say this. Yes, absolutely. I would say um, even going deeper than that. Uh, one of the things that I would, um, or one of the things that I would ask of myself, is how would we define communication? So, what specific? Hey, Matt. Kevin, I'm sorry. Hey, Matt. How are you, man? I'm sorry about that. Hey, and you were talking about communication. Yeah. And um, I think you, you were asking – Specifically, like like what we were working on, or what was what was your comment when you when you uh, finished? Yeah, so I just said, you know, one of the things that, and I'm sure you, I'm sure you 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 do this, and and you've done this is, like, what specifically within within that concept um, were you working on today? And 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 I think being able to define those things so that you know, um, maybe today we were working on. Um, communication and defensive transition and we were working specifically on making sure that the ball got picked up every time it was outletted or whatever the case may be yes but really trying to define those things as yes. clearly as possible so that you your coaching staff and your kids can have a clear understanding of you know what we we did do that today we couldn't do that at the beginning of practice we weren't doing that at the beginning of practice and now we are and so we can we can genuinely see our progress um, from the beginning of practice to the end. And that that's really important. It's really important for coaches to see. It's really important for kids to see, because a lot of times uh, the only thing we measure our success by is what the scoreboard says. And oftentimes, right. I, I always felt like this. And, and I told our players and our coaches this, that um, sometimes the, the greatest liar in the gym is the scoreboard. Um, <laughs> Good point. Uh, because it, it oftentimes doesn't tell the whole story. Um, and that's not just when we lose. I'll tell you this. I, I, I would tell my kids when we, we had teams that went to the state semifinals and state finals, and, um, and we tell them every day, the biggest liar in the gym is the scoreboard. I don't care if you're winning games right now, and I don't care if you won by 30 last night. That makes no difference whatsoever to the fact that we still don't communicate defensively. We still don't box out when we should. We're just bigger, better, faster than the team we're playing. But at some point during the year, we're going to play somebody that we're not bigger, better, and faster than. And our habits are going to get exposed. And, um, and so I think being able to um, define 
what you're trying to get better at, define what you're trying to teach as clearly as you possibly can. Uh, will will help you really be able to sell with your players and your and your and your um, and your coaches that hey, we still got improve. I love that, and I'll give you an example. Give me some feedback on this. We had a a drill today we call Kentucky, and um, it's a layup drill. It's a full court layup drill with six passers, and the ball's moving. And um, our goal is twenty layups from the right side, <clears throat> going up and down the court. And we did not get there, but the goal was, I, I didn't penalize them. I didn't run them for, for not reaching the, I, I actually praised them for great communication. And yeah. um, so if, yeah. if, if that, if, if that was what you're holding them accountable to um, yeah. for that, for that portion of the drill. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we would do that stuff all the time. I mean, where, where uh, the way we did it was, you want to you want to make the competition surrounding the skill you're trying to teach or hold them accountable to. So if the competition for the drill is, hey, we're going to go five minutes and we're going to run Kentucky, um, and all we're going to count is we're going to count um, we're going to count communication. On, we call it show inning telling. We we were going to we're going to count the number of shows and tells from the receiver. And if okay. we get yeah. above this number during these five minutes, I don't care how many layups you make. That's not what we're counting. What we're counting is how you communicate during the drill. Uh, that, that, that you can absolutely do that. I think that's, that's a great way to teach. Yeah. I love how you, what, what, what'd you say that was, um, you, you were talking about show and tells. Yep. So when we, when all of our receivers, we, Whenever somebody's passing to you, we always want to show our hands. We, all want to, yeah. we always want to tell them we're there. And so the way that we tell them we're there is we always use the phrase next one. We got that from Bob McKillop at Davidson. But um, yeah. we'd always show them and we'd always tell them. So it was an easy way for us to teach, hey, you got to show and tell. You got to show and tell. Everybody's got to show and tell. And um, we work on showing and telling every day, no question. I love that. Um, hey, that's why I do these podcasts, podcasts uh, Matt, to learn, just learn little things from uh, great coaches like yourself. I appreciate that. Um, I'm hoping I, I can pick up a few more tidbits. I hopefully, hopefully you have some time here. Yeah. Um, sure. Hey, let's talk about, I want to talk about sportsmanship. Yeah. Um, uh, not only do I coach the teams, but I have to, during the middle school games, I have a parent coach, but I have to run the clock. Yeah. So I probably sell popcorn, do all that stuff as well. Um, you know how those, those times were. For sure. uh, I'm amazed though. At, I was listening. Our parents are, are we, we've kind of have some great parents here, but on the opposing side, the parents are yelling at officials. The sportsmanship is awful. And it's like wherever we play and it's like yelling at their players. I mean, it's just like, and so by the end of the game, man, I'm exhausted. I don't notice that during the game when I'm coaching. But <laughs> in the clock, it's like, you got to be kidding me. I got I to gotta tell Matt King this because isn't that prevalent in our society? With, I mean, as soon as the game started, it's like, ah, come on, do this, do that. It's yeah. like, man, it's so prevalent. We got to get rid of that. Yeah, I think, I think there's, there's an epidemic of, of stuff like that. And I think whenever, whenever there's – Whenever there's an epidemic of stuff like that, I always think um, there's probably decent intentions that are aimed at misguided um, solutions. And so um, I have a lot of empathy, honestly, for those parents, because I think 
quite frankly, they've just bought into a lie. And, and the lie is, or the myth is that um, if my kid is not successful, if my kid is not somebody, if my kid doesn't get recruited, if my kid doesn't get ranked, if my kid's team doesn't win, then my kid is not going to be somebody. That's where it really boils down to is this desire to make sure that our kids are um, important. And the reality is, is no amount of athletic achievement that a kid has should determine his worth, dignity, or status. But we've created this big world uh, in youth basketball where um, kids are ranked in second grade now and um, there's like this hierarchy of, of, of status in youth basketball. And this idea for these parents, especially that live in the subculture very often is, hey, I want my kid to be one of those kids. I want my kid to get recognized. I want my kid, because if my kid gets recognized, then he's going to have fun and he's going to enjoy it more. And he's going to, all of these things. And so I think that the desire for many of those parents really boils down to, I want the best for my child. The problem is, is the best for your child is not what you're fighting for. (laughs) The best for your child is learning how to be respectful. The best for your child is developing great character. The best for your child is seeing a mom and a dad who handle other adults with respect and dignity. That's what's best for your child. That's, that's what's good for your child. Um, and, but oftentimes we tend to get this idea that um, if my child doesn't get a scholarship or if my child doesn't get recognized, then um, my child hasn't succeeded. And I think that's the farthest thing from the truth. So, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I, I completely understand how it happens. I have a seven-year-old daughter. I have a 10-year-old daughter. Um, I've had those moments where I've stood on the sideline and the referees made a bad call and I've had this hesitation to, to want to yell <laughs> something out or, or yeah. the coach has made a decision that might have impacted my kid. And, and I've, I've, I've had this desire to, 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 to say that, him or her is, is, is incorrect or whatever the case may be. So I have all the empathy in the world. I totally get how it happens. Um, but I always have to remind myself like that my daughter's worth, my daughter's significance, my daughter's status is so much more defined by who she is as opposed to what she does. What she does is not going to define my daughters. And that's not going to define my daughters in my home. It's not going to define my daughters in my life. It's not going to define whether my daughter gets a scholarship or not. It's not going to make me love her any more or make me love her any less. Um, What matters to me is that my daughter is a woman of dignity. She is a woman of respect. She's a woman of character. She's somebody that handles people the right way. She's somebody that can handle adversity correctly. Um, And those are the things that I want to model for her. And uh, those are, that's who I want to build. I want to build somebody that is so much more substantive than the things that they do um, and that they're recognized for who they are and not what they do. And, and, and so I think uh, my encouragement to other parents out there is, um, is to, to place all your emphasis on, um, uh, on fighting for who your child is. Um, and who they are as humans, as opposed to fighting for what they do um, and, and, and what they um, 
and making sure they're recognized for who they are and not what they do. Yes. And, and, and kind of adding to that, you have a great youth development model. You, you started in Arizona called stars. And I, I guess you're just going to continue to tell me about how that model, what do you do with that model of multiple sports? And uh, we're looking uh, to bring that to Georgia. I'm looking to get some great ideas from you. Along those same lines of dignity and respect, you're trying – that's what you've done in the STARS program. Is that correct? Well, first and foremost, I, I, <laughs> my natural inclination is to love to take credit for everything, but I, I, I by my, no means can. I, I think the, the, the correct phrase is there's a lot of amazing people um, that have been a part of – that are a part of the STARS program, starting with the guy who started it, which is Harry Demos, who – um, he oversees all of all of what we do um, in our soccer program and in, in what we call Integra, which is our club soccer program. Um, and and then we have uh, some tremendous, some of the best youth sports people in America that are a part of our program. Now we have soccer, we have football, we have basketball. I oversee the basketball specifically, um, but it's a part of a multi-sport club. And I think that model can actually be um, very influential and very impactful have done in other areas of the country. Uh, so a guy named Jed Roberts runs our football program and does an, an unbelievable job there. Um, a guy named Nick Demos and Paul Barron run our United Soccer program, which is which is incredible and, and such a great program. So I'm just a piece of that puzzle, but I, I do oversee the basketball portion um, of our STARS program. And, and I think, what, you know, for, for us, uh, because one, we're, we're a Christian organization and we fall under a, a church here called Christ Church of the Valley. Um, we believe that sports are about more than a game. And so we build our whole program around that more than a game philosophy and, and a belief that um, sports are good. They're, they're tremendous, uh, but they're not God and they never will be. And we're good with that. And so we want to use sports for what they provide. We want to use sports for the great opportunity that they give, um, but we don't want to make sports the supreme thing in our life um, because they aren't. And when they're placed in the supreme position, they always let us down. Um, but when they are just looked at as a vehicle to, um, to experience and enjoy, um, they're a tremendous part of our society. And so we absolutely, um, we, we believe in multi-sport. Um, we believe that I don't like I don't even, like I, I've said before, I don't, I don't even think that's a debate anymore. I think I think kids should play multiple sports. I don't I don't know anybody that um, has done any research that that can genuinely say uh, that that's a mute that that's a that's a debatable point. Um, it's just a matter of how do you execute that? How do you implement that? Uh, and how do you provide kids uh, opportunities to be competitive in multiple sports? I think that's the challenge because most people, um, I think, would would push back on uh, how's my kid going to play? How can my kid play at a competitive level? Uh, because when we think about multiple sports, we tend to naturally gravitate towards this kind of like um, soft recreational feel. Uh, and and I think. I think it can be done where kids can play multiple sports at a competitive level. I just think the model hasn't been developed um, as much as it should be. And, and hopefully we're doing that in some capacity here at stars. And uh, uh, but as far as our player development model that we implemented in the basketball program, 
Um, that comes from USA basketball and, and comes from the work that I've done with them and Jay Demings and Don Showalter and, and uh, actually Jamie Carey, who worked on that, or um, they're just tremendous people who have, who have really made an emphasis on trying to um, develop and, and cultivate the culture of basketball in America. And, uh, and so, uh, yeah, we just trying to implement and execute those things and, and it's been really, really good. And, and we're thankful for it. Yeah, and we're definitely uh, – I spoke to Gene Durden, um, who's one of the – probably the best basketball mind. He's definitely interested. We're, de- we're definitely going to be picking your brain. Of course, he told me now's not a good time, but we're going to be talking to you later. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we're definitely interested because – and, of course, he runs one of the best basketball programs, I think, in the country. Um, but, you know, he, he's, at a, he's, at a, he's at a higher level than what, the, what we are here but we both had the same philosophy on player development, but you go to these AAU tournaments and it, I, I can't, it, I have a hard time watching it. You, you know, you might see, you know, a hundred teams in a tournament or whatever. And it's crazy. I mean, the, the, just the, it's out of control. Don't you think? Well, I, I'll say this and I'm a little bit measured um, in, in, in my response to that, because I, I I'll, I, I genuinely believe that the only way we get better is if we um, if we remove lines in the sand um, between different areas of the basketball community. And so I, I will say this: I have been to non-scholastic events um, that have absolutely been. Uh, you have seen disorganization, no question. But I'm going to tell you, Kevin, I've been to a lot of high school games recently that have had the same non-disor- that have, have had the same disorganization. Um, I've been to high school games and seen some of the best coaches in America. And I'm starting to see some non-scholastic coaches that are doing a tremendous job with their kids. I think the defining line is not, I think, as we've made it in the past between high school and non-high school basketball. And I think AAU gets a bad rap, to be honest with you. I think we label everything as AAU, but AAU, the organization, there's some tremendous people involved in that organization. And so I I, I would never, I I don't ever want to put that umbrella over it. But what I would say is what we can define is the difference between good coaches and bad coaches. I think there are so many good coaches in our country. doesn't matter if they're in high school, doesn't matter if they're in club, doesn't matter if they're in youth doesn't matter where they're at. And I applaud those guys. Um, and they're in all segments of the population. And then we have a lot of bad coaches out there that are high school coaches, that are club coaches, that are and, – and what I would define as a bad coach is, is, is a coach that um, has no desire to get better. If, if they have no desire to put a plan together, they have no desire to um, have any professional development, they aren't thinking about what's in the best interest of their kids. They don't have a desire to get better. They don't provide a safe environment. And that can be safe physically. Um, that can be safe emotionally. Um, that can be safe verbally. Um, they don't provide a safe environment. They um, don't have a desire to get better. And those guys, I, I will, I'd be more than willing to say brutally, bluntly, I hope they don't coach anymore. I really don't. And, and I hope my hope and my goal 
is that every kid that plays basketball in America would have the opportunity to have a good coach. And a good coach is somebody that's going to ensure that the environment is positive, somebody that is going to ensure that the environment is safe, somebody that is going to ensure um, that they're going to walk in the gym with a desire to help kids get better. That's a good coach. And that could be a variety of different um, people at a variety of different levels. Um, but uh, that's, that's my goal. So when, when we talk about AAU basketball, or we talk about club basketball, or we talk about high school basketball, um, I would say when you experience a bad coach, when you see a bad coach, um, yeah, it stinks. There's no question about it. Um, but just as, as, as great is when you see a good coach, uh, AAU coach or a high school coach or a youth coach, um, it's like watching a symphony. It's like watching, it's like listening to a great song. Um, it's like watching a great movie. It's, it's, it's beautiful. And, and so I think our goal is to make sure there's more good coaches. And to be completely honest with you, our goal is to make sure there's less bad coaches. And, um, and, and hopefully we'll accomplish that as we move forward. And, uh, and it sounds like you guys are trying to plant the seeds, right? I mean, what, with your organization, I mean, you're trying to get out there and try to develop that culture of sure. definitely, these type of coaches. Definitely, I think, through, through what we do with USA Basketball, um, uh, through what we do here, here at Stars, here in Arizona, there's no question about it. We are 100% for good coaches. Um, but don't get me wrong. We are un we are 100% against bad coaches. Like there's there we are not for everybody. Uh, if you don't want to if you don't want to build a safe space, if you don't want to be positive towards kids, if you don't have any desire to get better, uh, we are not for you. We're against you. There's no question about that. Yeah, and uh, does that come through um, organizations doing better training or? I mean, how, how can we make those changes um, to create, to get better coaches? Yeah, so I think, I think, or to eliminate bad coaches. I think a few ways. One, um, I think number one, it starts with standards. So uh, your willingness to create standards that, a baseline standards that can be held throughout um, all of coaching. And so uh, that, what that does is that creates a shared belief amongst coaches um, that, hey, if you're going to be in the room, you got to have at least this. And I think USA Basketball has done a really good job with uh, creating the licensing program that they've created to create that shared standard. Like this is the baseline. If you want to consider yourself a good coach, like this is this is the baseline for what you need to be doing. You need to have a background check. You need to, um, to have some coach training. You need to have some of those things. Uh, and so I think, I think a shared stand, shared standards. I think the secondly, uh, secondly, we got to have a system. So my, and my belief that is USA basketball's player development model. Um, and, and we could have a whole podcast specifically on the player development model, um, and, and would love to do that, but we have to have a system, uh, because a system allows us to create categories It allows us to make sense. Um, and, and it allows us to, to create boundaries. So basically what that, what that does is it allows us to put a fence around the youth, the youth basketball space and say, hey, you know what, uh, within these walls, you can do whatever you want, but just don't jump over the walls. Right now, we just don't have a fence. We have no walls. So everybody just gets to go wherever they want. 
And boundaries are not good for good coaches. Or I'm sorry, boundaries are good for good coaches. Boundaries are not good for bad coaches. Um, and, and I think um, the more boundaries, we, the, the, the more definable boundary we have, um, the better it can be. And then um, thirdly, we got to have standards. We got to have a system. And then, um, and then thirdly, we've got to have some structure. And so we have to, we have to have some, some structure within that uh, uh, space that allows us um, to be able to operate and to operate well. And, and, and so when you have shared standards, when you have shared structure or shared um, structure, and, and then what, what ends up happening is you, you begin to develop a culture. And, and I think that's what we need. Uh, I think how do you how do you build more good coaches and you you uh, eliminate bad coaches is you cultivate a culture in America where good coaches are the only ones that are allowed and uh, and and bad coaches are on the fringe of of the coaching the coaching community or the basketball community so we got a lot of work to get there um, I think it's this is definitely not a, a short term fix um, but it's it's worth it's worth uh, it's worth sacrificing for and it's worth speaking out for and it's worth um, giving, giving, uh, giving a lot of our time and energy towards cultivating. Yes. And, and you have, you started the uh, Arizona basketball coaches association and, and you are now the president. Tell us about how you built this. Cause I, I'm, this is something that, that, you know, I want to kind of get started out here along with some fellow coaches um, what, what's the value of having a coaches association and what are some differences that you have made? Well, I think first and foremost, the, the, our coaches association revolves around, um, this concept that we, we believe that everybody needs a coach because coaches impact lives. Um, we know that we know that a good coach impacts somebody's life in a way that, that nobody could ever imagine. Um, and, and we want to be the community where good coaches go to get better. And so what I would, what I would say is the value of the coaching association is th- th- three things. Number one, um, do your coaches, do your good coaches in your state have a place where they can be developed, have a place where they can connect with one another and have a place that genuinely exists to serve them. They, they spend their whole lives serving everybody else, serving kids, serving parents, serving schools, serving communities. Is there anybody in the state that exists solely to serve them? Because they need that, right? So, um, so what I would say is, who's the organization that's going to develop coaches? Good ones. Who's the organization that's going to connect coaches? with each other, because that's a major piece of retaining good coaches is their ability to be a part of a fraternity um, with like-minded people. And then thirdly, who's going to exist to serve them? My argument would be there's no other organization in the state that can do that other than the coaches association. Um, And so that's why we exist. We exist to connect, develop, and serve coaches um, because we believe good coaches impact lives and we just want to be the community that helps those good coaches get better so that's that's what we do um about 18 months we revived the coaches association before that um our coaches association did exist and some guys did a tremendous job uh with it 
but we revived it about 18 months ago. Uh, we have about 800 members that are that are a part of it here. Um, one of the big things that we've done here, because we have the capability of running the association um, in maybe a little bit different way than maybe any other associations in the country, uh, because we, there wasn't anything established, we removed the barrier of cost for all coaches to be a part. So if you want to be a part of the Arizona Basketball Coaches Association, there's no due uh, to be a part. You can be a member for free. Um, and then secondly, we provide an annual clinic uh, every year. Uh, and that clinic is free to all of our members. And one of the commitments that we made from the beginning was that no good coach would, would be uh, removed from the ability to connect and develop um, because of money. Um, and and uh, we, just, we, we felt like that was a barrier that we did not want to put up uh, in front of a coach. And so we've, we, we removed that. Um, it's grown pretty significantly. Um, we're really excited about the future of it. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's where we're at right now. Yeah. And I love that. And, um, <laughs> and, you know, I'm going to, I mean, the coaches out here, we're going to really try to pick your brain on that. Something yeah. that we really want to start and really how I started that, uh, Matt was I run clinics out here at our school, um, and it was based on a friend of mine who actually passed away, um, who actually coached at Florida State under U Durham. He's actually a really good high school and college coach. We wanted to kind of bring back the old coaches from the past yeah, um, because we feel like they have a lot to give. Sure. And um, I started the clinic, and I so many coaches absolutely love it, but we're still struggling on getting coaches to a live on-court clinic yeah. that – that, that, so that's so we're all trying to get clinics and, and it's hard to get coaches and it, I think you discussed this with me before about um, clinics and how are you guys trying to teach your coaches on, on trying to get them better whether that's clinics or other means yeah I think I think we got to do that in a variety of different ways I think I think uh, clinics have always been the way that it's been done in the past but um, I, I, I really believe uh, in, in the motto that if you're not changing you're dying and I think we need to really look into uh, what are the options uh, for how we develop coaches, because I think there's a variety of ways, whether that's uh, doing things digitally or that's providing um, coaches the opportunity to visit specific coaches um, programs and watch them practice. Um, I, I think I think w one oftentimes clinics can be really expensive. Uh, they can be expensive yeah. for guys. I mean, uh, there's a registration fee and then for a lot of guys, they got to pay for hotel rooms and then they got to pay for meals and they got to do all this different stuff. And, um, depending upon where it's at and, and all those kinds of things, you, I mean, they can be really expensive for guys that don't make much money. And, and so I, I think we've got to find ways to, um, to lower costs. We've got to find ways to, um, provide, training in different formats um, I think a lot of times we can we can provide it in smaller settings I think with uh, 10 or 15 guys or five or ten guys um, sitting around a table and 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 diagramming things with salt and pepper shakers I think uh, that was done for a long time and I think it probably uh, creating those environments is probably um, probably beneficial uh, so finding ways where guys can develop uh, with without um, without necessarily having to pay an arm and a leg to do it. 
uh, I think is, is really, really important. And then also, too, pointing them to resources that already exist. I mean, there's so many things that are available online now. Um, one, specifically with USA Basketball Coach License, you can watch any coaching academy video um, through, through the USA Basketball Portal. That alone is worth the, worth the license. I mean, uh, you're going you're gonna to get access to so much instructional material um, just through that, that medium. And, and so um, organizations that are doing stuff like that, we need to point more people to that stuff. And I think a lot of times we're so hesitant to point somebody to somebody else's thing because we think for some strange reason that um, that's going to hinder us. Uh, I've, I've never felt that way. I've always felt like when, when good people are pointed to good things um, or when people are pointed to good things, they always remember that and they always remember your organization. They're always thankful for that. And so when times come where you're promoting something and it's a good thing, they always, they always feel like, man, these are, these are people that are worth trusting in. These are things that are worth being involved in. So I think being able to collaborate and being able to not be so territorial with the things that we do and point people to good things, uh, even if they aren't our thing, uh, I think is really, really important. Yes. And I, I love that. Well, actually that's, that's one reason why I started the podcast was basically to grow as a coach, but also to, to learn from other coaches. But I think it's important to share with other coaches, right? Absolutely. I mean, I mean that somebody share with you, right? Somebody share with me. I mean, yes. if, if people weren't willing to do that and they weren't willing to invest in my life, if the taste locks and the Don show alters um, and those guys in my life weren't willing to sit down with me and, and give me everything, share with me everything they had. Um, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even be remotely close to where I am today. So for me to look at somebody else and then say, well, I'm not going to share with you because it might, um, it might hurt my bottom line, or I'm not going to share with you because, um, uh, this might, uh, this is, this is something that, uh, could hurt me if it gets out or you know what, I, like we need to get over ourselves a little bit. Somebody shared with us, somebody helped us. It is our responsibility as stewards of the game to, to help the next generation. So the game continues to, to, to be played because I, I'll just tell you, like, um, there is no guarantee that basketball will be played when my grandkids, grandkids, grandkids are growing up. No, nobody, nobody has guaranteed that basketball, like God has not ordained that basketball will be played for all of eternity. If we don't steward the game well and we don't pass it from one generation to another, basketball could easily go away. In two generations, kids could be playing esports and people could go, hey, you remember that game <laughs> we used to play? Are those people, are you remember those pictures of that guy that took that ball and threw it into that round thing? Um, that could absolutely happen. There's no guarantee that basketball will always be played. Um, there's no guarantee of that at all unless we steward the game well, unless we are willing to adapt with the times and we're willing to, to, uh, to help good coaches um, stay in it. Um, basketball could easily go away. And, and, and I think one of my um, main convictions is to make sure that um, during my time here on earth, um, we're going to steward, I'm going to do my best in my little place to steward the game well so that I can pass it on to my kids and then my kids can pass it on to the next generation and they can pass it on from there. 
Yeah, and I share you in those thoughts. That's something that I believe in as well. Uh, that's why I wanted to talk to you so much. Uh, and and my next question has has to do with uh, a teaching camp uh, called Snow Valley Basketball. I don't know how many coaches I've listened to on podcasts that that work the camp. And that that's one of my goal of mine, Matt, is is to go to it next this summer. Awesome. And um, and that's because I heard so many great things about it. And um, I, I, I'm I'm kind of old school with the old five star camps that I kind of grew up, I you know, and and learn. And I know those were those those are no longer exist. But the Snow Valley Basketball School, from what I hear, is one of the best teaching camps, and they really teach, don't they? Yeah, no question. I mean, I'm obviously a huge Snow Valley guy, and um, I've been there for for a long time now, and um, have fortunately uh, gotten to work with some amazing guys through that through that camp and uh yeah i mean it's it's all it's all about teaching um and and snow valley is a special place it's a it's a special culture um one of the things that is has always stuck out to me about that place is that that is a community where there genuinely are no lines in the sand it doesn't matter if you work with junior high kids doesn't matter if you work with high school kids and it doesn't matter if you're an nba coach um you're, you're, you're valued and you are no more important than anybody else or no less important than anybody else. And when you have an environment like that, um, special things happen. And especially in the world of basketball, we oftentimes create these caste systems where, um, because you work at a certain level, you're more important than somebody else, or because you make a certain amount of money, you're more important than anybody else. And, um, that's, I, I think that's that's uh, it is what it is, and and I understand that. But that's not how Snow Valley is. Uh, everybody sleeps in a dorm. Everybody eats in a cafeteria. Everybody's in the gym at six a.m. Everybody's out of the gym at eleven at night, and um, we're just basketball coaches. And there's something really pure and something really uh, really good about that. Yeah, and, and there's there's not a con. I'm mean, I'm sure there's competitions, but it's more of a development over competition, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, two, like one, it's absolutely about development. There's no question. But I think one of the things that the format of the camp provides is that um, competition's not bad. It's just, it's got to matter. I think what has happened in our time, um, in our youth basketball culture today is um, when you have, when you overcompete, then competition doesn't matter anymore. And so kids play so many games that the games don't matter. So competition gets watered down. The cool thing about Snow Valley is because you only play one game a day, the competition, <laughs> I love competition that. really matters. And so when you play yeah. that game, it's important. It's, it's valuable. It's um, something you look forward to all day long. Um, and, and I think that, that brings out healthy competitions. It teaches kids how to compete. It teaches kids that competition matters, and 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 when you're going to compete, you better you better go after it because you're not going to get another chance. Problem with our culture today is um, that's not necessarily the case because if you play at 9 a.m. and you don't compete very hard and you don't care and you don't play and you're not serious about it, and well then you'll just play at 11. And if you don't care at 11, then you'll just play at three. And if you don't care at three, then you just play tomorrow at nine, right? Um, at Snow Valley, that's not the case. You play at nine o'clock at night, and if you don't compete hard, if you don't play hard, you don't get to play till nine o'clock the next night. 
and you got to go all day long with the reality that you weren't you weren't at your best and you didn't compete the way you should have and uh and and i think that's the best way to teach kids it's not to it's not to have more uh sometimes the best way to teach kids how to compete is to have them play less yes uh, i totally agree and i love i would love to get a snow valley basketball school out here in georgia because i know so i'm telling you of course you know obviously we can't call it snow valley but um we have some great teaching coaches out here maybe that's my next maybe that's my next thing right matt i go ahead, try to get that started along with the basketball yeah, coaches you, association you got a lot of things on that list kevin <laughs> i know and i'm right in the middle of my season right now well actually we're just starting out but um i would love to go to a camp that it's all about teaching. It's not any other, there's not any other, like you said, over competition, kids over competing. I love that theory. And of course, the king of that, I'm, I'm trying to think of his name, the one that runs the box drill. Yeah, oh, my Lord. I mean, I heard so many great things about him. Tell me a story about him. <laughs> I, there's a lot of stories about him. Uh, some probably appropriate for, and some not appropriate, <laughs> I guess. Uh, Coach Locke's one of the he's one of the most unique human beings um, on the earth. Uh, and uh, he 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 has forgotten more basketball than all of us combined will ever know. He is so competent. He is so um, intelligent. Um, he thinks about the game in a way that um, most people would would are just scratching the surface of. Uh, and so there's just a, a there's an enormous amount of respect for him as a basketball mind and, and the way that he thinks about the game. But that pales into comparison of um, how good he is with people and um, coach is rough. And at times he is very intense and he is very um, he's very um, uh, willing to speak his mind Um and he's infectious. He's there's certain people in this world where people just tend to gravitate towards them. You don't know why you don't know. You don't know how, um, sometimes you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't even understand it, but people just naturally gravitate towards these people. And, uh, coach has that aura about him. He has, he is, he is a person that when he walks in the room, people notice he has a presence. Um, and he, he knows how to, um, he just knows how to deal with people. And, and I think above and beyond anything about coach Locke, that's what I appreciate more than anything is, um, he just, he, you know, people talk about that it factor. He just, he just has it. And, um, he's a, he's a special, special man and somebody that I'm really, really grateful um, that I've had the opportunity to spend time with. Yeah. And he's been around some great mentors. I know Bobby Knight, all the greats. Uh, and he's also gone through a lot of tough times, hasn't he? I mean, I think he's learned, I think he's learned a lot through all his trial and error. We've all gone through tough times. And yes. um, one of the things that, um, that, that coach, um, uh, coach has always been about is um, he's always been about trying to do, um, what's right by people. And I genuinely believe that about him. And, uh, and so, um, yeah, coach has been through tough times and so have I, and so have you, and so is everybody else. And so, um, he's, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's, he just keeps getting up though. 
he keeps moving forward and uh and i, I appreciate him so much yeah matt so uh, i tell you i appreciate you joining us um i know you kept me engaged and i, I appreciate your commitment to um you know, building your uh, building the youth program out there in Arizona and also helping all us coaches out. I, and I really appreciate that. And I, I really want to continue our relationship because I know you're doing the right thing. And I want you to share with all the coaches out here and what what you're doing out there, because we want to build something like what you're doing out, out here. Yeah. And I appreciate it. Hey, what what lasting piece yeah. of advice can you give to our coaches and uh, how can a coach reach you? Uh, last piece of advice would be just keep getting up, just keep getting up every day. I mean, there's something really mature, something really powerful about just keep stepping in the gym, keep working with kids, keep trying to get better. Don't get discouraged. Um, and good things will happen. Um, I think we live in a society that is so microwave-ish and we believe everything should happen instantly um, or everything should happen yesterday or um, – uh, and, and, and I just say, keep getting up. Se- second thing I would say is, um, don't believe the lie that, um, moving up the ladder is, is always better. That bigger is always better. Um, I think there are a lot of guys that have high school jobs. Um, a lot of guys that are running youth programs, um, that have the best job in the world. And there'd be a lot of college coaches that would give their right arm to have your job. Um, and so, uh, I think there's, there's something, there's not always, uh, what one of my buddies who works in the NBA always tells me, he says, um, what glitters is not always gold. And, and there's a lot of truth to that. And so, um, I think the more guys we can get off of this, um, uh, hamster wheel of believing that they always got to be moving up. They always got to be moving up. Um, nope. I think every day wake up and um, make a commitment that success today is not getting the next job. Success today is being faithful to teaching your kids. Well, being successful today is being faithful to being a good, good human being, being positive with your kids, being a good teacher and a good coach, being a good husband, being a good dad. Um, I, I would love in 15 years, for the coaching community to, instead of looking at salaries as the ultimate aspect of status, that the new rich would be, um, man, that guy gets to spend time with his kids. That guy gets to spend time with his wife. That guy gets to coach in an environment where um, he's really teaching the game and he's really building something. To me, that's rich. Um, Rich is not the number of zeros on your paycheck. Um, Rich is uh, the ability to impact people's lives, um, to uh, and and to enjoy your life, and so I would I would in, I would encourage um, coaches out there that um, have such they're feeling so much pressure to move up, and and uh, and I felt that pressure as well, and 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 so I empathize with that, um, but I would tell you it, it is what what glitters is not always gold. And then as far as connecting with me, um, I don't do any social media, so I'm not on Twitter, Facebook, or, or any of that stuff. Um, and, uh, uh, but you can, you can connect with what we're doing here in Arizona at, at AZBBallCoaches um, on Twitter. Um, and, or you can email me at CoachKing32 at gmail.com. 
uh, you can always get a hold of me there, and, and I'm always pretty good at getting back to people on on email. Uh, and uh, uh, then you can continue to follow what USA Basketball is doing and their youth division. You can you can uh, get to their website usab.com and uh, and go from there. Matt, thank you so much. I definitely want to get into the podcast with you on your the USA Basketball model. I love to get you and. Um, some of your other great coaches from that organization. I, Cause I, I really want to, I really want to kind of delve into that, but thank you so much for sharing with me and our listeners. I really appreciate it. Yeah, Kevin, appreciate you, man. Appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate what you're doing for the game and um, the good things ahead, man. I'm, I'm excited for you. Matt, thank you so much for spending the time with me. Thank you. Have a great night and uh, wish you the best of luck. Sounds good. Talk to you later. Thank you. Championship Productions. Championship Productions, the world's number one source for quality basketball instruction, has over 1,200 videos to help you improve your craft and win more games. Learn new drills, plays, and offensive defensive systems from America's top coaches, including Coach K, Greg Popovich, Gino Ariema, John Calipari, Tom Izzo, Bob Knight, Jay Wright, and many more. To purchase insert video title, visit www.championshipproductions.com or call 1-800-873-2730. This video is available via, via DVD or instant video where you can view the video on your favorite device. Be sure to download the app so you can favorite your chapters for easy playback. Championship Productions.